Jilly. Rebecca. Jilly Mokes, I'm taking this podcast right back over a second time. I loved the outcome from our first switcheroo. And I have more burning questions for you that I feel I should not be the only one to have the privilege of peeking inside the Mokes method, peeking inside the Mokes brain, peeking behind the curtain, darling, (laughs) and going deep on something you and I have very different opinions on. Mm-hmm. And that is the professional social media platform known as LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome to the Heads Together podcast. I'm Jill Mokes, and I am obsessed with cutting through the noise when it comes to growing your business. Each week, via intimate coaching conversations and inspirational stories, I share what it really takes to get the results you want in a way that feels right to you. I am all about attracting higher ticket opportunities, building authentic relationships and creating the abundant, full fat version of your dream business. I mean, how many of us have beavered away creating a light version of what we really want? The thing is, I honestly believe When you're outstanding at what you do, there is no limit to what you can achieve. So, are you ready to put our heads together and make it happen? Let's go. That's what I want to talk about. Love it or hate it? There's no real in-between. Well, I take that back. I think it's the in-between love it and hate it people who are producing the content that makes the people hate it, hate it. Meaning. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. And I get exactly what you mean from that. It, it, it is the mediocre, uninspired. I'm just here on LinkedIn because that's a box. Everyone tells me I should check. So. Let me just post something that is moderately interesting and then collect comments. And then I swim amongst those mediocre club sandwiches. Who's swimming with club sandwiches? That would be, I would on my little raft. I need (laughs) extra mayonnaise. I need (laughs) pasta pickles. Uh, Who is meandering along in LinkedIn and thinks this is the most boring drivel I have ever seen Mm. in my life. And it just feels like, it just feels like corporate, corporate drivel on repeat in an echo chamber with the same over and over again, the same anemic comments And what infuriates me is the same lack of interest that the original poster has on engaging in the comments in any kind of way, which in my opinion is where the magic happens. The conversation is in the comments. So it's just kind of poisoned me for LinkedIn and I avoid it like a dentist appointment no matter how well-intentioned I am about being 
good on there. I'm using air quotes. Being good on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hate it. And when I share that with you, you are like oh, aghast because LinkedIn is your new baby. So help me fall in love. Help me fall in love. Of all the social media children, LinkedIn is my favorite child. Facebook is like the the black sheep child that I've had to ask to leave home because I've had enough of them. And Instagram is like the neglected child. (laughs) I can't be bothered to post on at the moment. So I realized that I do um, have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with all social media platforms. So, So from that perspective, LinkedIn is my favorite child at the moment. But here's the thing. And I think to your point that you just, you're scrolling and it's drivel and you need to take some control and take some responsibility for your feed. Clean it up. You need to unfollow. There is an unfollow button. And just like on, um, I guess Facebook, I think you can do this. You can stay connected with someone, but you can unfollow. And I do this all the time. If it's something that is just irritating me, it's interrupting my flow when it comes to digesting really interesting content on LinkedIn, which is what I do now because I am so intentionally curating my own feed. And there's a few ways you can do that. Number one, hit that unfollow button regularly all the time, clean up that damn feed. And then start following people, not just people you think are potential clients. And I know you don't do that. So this isn't necessarily advice for you. I don't, I don't pay attention to anybody on there. Right, That's how much, right, exactly. Ugh. So, <laughs> But what I do see sometimes is that people go all in on identifying their ideal clients on LinkedIn. And therefore their feed is full of potential clients who aren't always posting the most interesting stuff necessarily. So I want you to think about like there's three different kinds of people that you should be following on LinkedIn. Some of them will be potential clients for you. Some of them will be your peers. So this is where you develop those what we always talk about, cherry pick partnerships and joint adventures. And that's where those develop. So by, you know, really kind of collaboration over competition, start connecting with your peers. Don't be so terrified that they're going to unearth who you're. uh, And again, I'm not directing this to you. This is to listeners. I'm getting on a high horse now. I'm getting very passionate. The Italian arms are coming out and flailing everywhere. So I'm glad we're not actually videoing this. They're going all over the place. I look like a Muppet. (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely start really genuinely building relationships with peers on LinkedIn, people who are in the same space as you. Learn from them, teach them. And then the third pillar is that thought leadership bucket. So this is where you're, this is where you're spreading a bit outside of your industry, perhaps. And you're maybe starting to think about, okay, what things do I actually find massively interesting that I want to be reading about? And who are the voices in those arenas that I'm going to want to hit the bell on their profile? So I get notified every time they post something. I've got, I think there's, 
there's a good few people now that I have hit that little bell. Some people probably don't know about this still. On when you visit someone's profile, there's a little bell on their profile, and if you toggle that on, it means you will get notified ev- with a message every time they post something. Also, if you're using LinkedIn for business and you don't have that toggled on for every single one of your clients, you are doing yourself a disservice and your clients a disservice because you should be, we should always be supporting our clients in whatever way we can. And one of those ways is to be commenting thoughtfully on the LinkedIn posts. So I've gone off on a bit of a rant here, but that's my, my answer to your question of why you hate LinkedIn. It's because you you haven't cleaned up your feed, and that's three ways to do it. This is gobsmacking information, <laughs> and I now need to breathe. <laughs> I'll bet. Take a drink. Take a drink of water or champagne, yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah. you have. I always drink Handy. champagne when I'm recording. Tea podcasts. hot on your side, iced on mine. Don't yeah. oh, at God, me. Don't, don't at get- me. Don't get me started again on that. Okay. Poor Tony got yeah, <laughs> got it with two barrels on that one. This just goes to show you how your own personal baggage can show up in business. Mm. Because it never occurred to me as a recovering people pleaser that I could curate my own feed on LinkedIn and I was just accepting crappy club sandwiches and then being mad about it i had no idea i had any agency in the way that linkedin affected me emotionally i just accepted the shit sandwich and then was like ew this sandwich is gross yeah so you're blowing me away with that number one two i did not know about this darling little bell what an Excellent, excellent pro tip. Yeah. It hasn't been around for too long. And what I'm noticing a lot of creators on LinkedIn doing now is that they are, they're kind of have a little cut and paste bit, a bit like an email signature at the bottom of a post. So honestly, since I curated my feed really thoroughly to just show me interesting stuff, it's so much more enjoyable. And I'm noticing a lot of creators have this little email signature on the bottom of their posts. And it has things like, if you enjoy what I'm writing about, hit the bell in my profile, then you'll get notified. So again, it's quite a new thing. So it's worth now you and our listeners know about it. Start doing that. Start doing that at the bottom of a post. If you like what you're hearing, uh, sorry, if you like what you're reading, hit the bell and then you'll get notified of all my posts. And also, I'm noticing people putting little um, snippets there of perhaps if you want to book a call with me, there'll be a link in the comments below. You know, they're, they're putting their little calls to action in a small piece of sign-off at the bottom of their posts, which I quite like. Well, I do that for a blog post. Yeah, yeah. I do exactly. that for a blog post all the time. Um, just a quick one on for LinkedIn, though, to point out as well, don't ever put a link in your post. Algorithm will batter you. Always put it in the first comment. I don't want to be battered. Speaking of, ba- speaking of battering, let's, let's pause this recording while my cat continues to take a crap 
in the range of the microphone and scraping at all the cat litter. Good so, lord. Let's hit pause on that one. Hang tight, audio people, or Jill talks while I mute. Okay, the cat is I'm out. Just going, I'm just going to talk for a minute while she's muting, because I just want to share something else really quickly as well, in terms of other things to not do to avoid the algorithm battering you. And this is something I only found out the other day, and it makes so much sense to me uh, for a couple of experiences I've had, and this is it. Whenever you write a post, check it double check it and triple check it because if you hit post and then go back in and edit it it will not get shown to your audience edited posts completely and utterly bomb and that has happened to me and I couldn't understand it it was a post that I really thought would get a normal amount of traction and literally not even a a view and so editing a post is the kiss of death. So, you know, if there's a typo in it, leave it. Put an amusing comment in the first comment saying I've deliberately not edited this so that the algorithm doesn't batter me or just ignore it. I do love that fourth wall. I love that fourth wall of what like ed- wall? <clears throat> acknowledging that the algorithm is almost a, a character in the LinkedIn play. Yes. I see that a lot it's on a TikTok. Yeah, well, well, they'll talk about the algorithm as if it's a, yeah, as if it's a real kind of living, breathing, and I guess in a way it is. Mm. Uh, um, just this kind of very proactive agent that is at play in the entire ecosystem all That's of the time. Right. And of course, we all have a love-hate relationship with the algorithm as well, because we hate it when it works against us by not showing our posts to the people who want we want to see them, or by um, you know, just one time we showed a remote tiny bit of interest in, I don't know, car washing, and suddenly we're seeing goddamn how knows how many posts about that. But then we love it when it works in our favor and talking about curating that feed again, the algorithm's really clever. I'm now starting to see so many more new, interesting voices that I really want to follow and hear from in my feed. When it works in our favor, we love it. Love it. I can't get my words out today. I really should record with my teeth in. (laughs) Oh, God, can I just say that was a joke? Because I've just realized that Rebecca is always teasing me about my bloody stupid British teeth. So, you know. I, it's all it's because I love them. I'm dipping their braids in the ink do. well. You just love them. <laughs> what is that, hard candy? Oh, no, it's a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> she teases me mercilessly on this. <sighs> I need you to be the most British person ever. I know. All the time. I know. All the time. I'm always romantically thinking about your birthday boiled dinner that drove your parents and your family crazy. Yeah. Boiled dinner is the most British thing that ever lived. Boiled potatoes, boiled mints, and boiled peas. Who doesn't want that for their birthday dinner when they're a child? I used to love it. (laughs) I'm I'm for boiled minge, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Lena, edit that out immediately no lena keep it in and lena i'm paying your invoice edit that out (laughs) (laughs) okay okay 
I don't want to regret. I don't want to regress. I really want to go down a rabbit hole with you with this curated feed and creators who are riding the wave of the algorithm because I'm seeing something fresh here that I see somewhere else I'd like to talk about. But before I do, I really want to acknowledge something you said uh, that's so important, I think, to business development, way more important than any paid Facebook ad you'll ever have, which is amplifying your client's work and being aware of your client's work and sharing it. It's It's not really so much about you know, that's the right thing to do as much as it makes the client feel so valued, which is a huge win-win when you're in the relationship business. And in addition to that, why are we withholding this from our own audience? It's almost being stingy with something that's very, very good. I write emails for a client on leadership development. And I have another client I keep thinking, you know, who would love this information? You know, who would really want to subscribe to this list is this other client I have. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, I probably should just let them know that this mailing list exists. But in your paradigm, you are taking that way into the next level, because I truthfully still haven't made that connection between those two people. And so the client who could use that information is missing out. And the client who's producing that information is missing out on an interested person. So because mm-hmm. I'm the single point of failure, everybody loses. But by your just best practice, the client feels valued. Your audience gets this really cool work because your clients are very awesome. So why right. not? why not share what they're doing amongst that? And I think your attitude of like, what will make the client, you know, what will value and honor the client? It is including them as a golden thread in my own curated content is the highest compliment I can give them. So let us do it. I love that. And I just wanted to bring that back around before it faded out into the podcast ether. I'm glad you did. And I think it also, it it brings our attention back to that bigger piece where it when it comes to LinkedIn and that is that LinkedIn isn't a social media challenge channel it really is genuinely a, a social networking channel it's, it's I disagree ah oh, okay that'll be an interesting conversation to have then right okay so that's good I love it when we disagree tell me why I think disagree. it's a po- because LinkedIn has been for the last like six or seven years on track to become the world's largest digital publishing platform. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a publisher and creators participate in that publishing experience. That's a dumb way of saying it, but (laughs) that creators are part of that is a publishing platform like Mm -hmm. medium, Mm -hmm. which by the way are owned by the same people. That's really interesting. And it is definitely going that way. I'm seeing that now. Um, And particularly the kind of content that I like to see in my feed is much more of the long form content, much more storytelling, um, you know, much less salesy than perhaps it would be on, you know, Facebook or Instagram, that kind of thing. Um, but for me, it's still very much about building a relationship 
with those creators. And I think you just brought up my. F- Go on. Sorry, sorry. You just brought up my favorite favorite thing right now, which is not being salesy, not writing content for sales. Here's why. Um, one, who wants to be sold to 24 hours at seven? We already are. I don't need to make an argument for how much stimuli we get and people competing for our eyeballs yep. to this audience. But it's come to the point where, speaking of a curated feed, my inbox and my email, I do not know that if a, an email I'm getting from people out and all across the board is going to be a sales pitch or is them really trying to talk to me. So over time, when I'm sold day after day after day, where every story leads to a pitch for something, every, you know, remember the time when we discovered that Nutella is the world's greatest sandwich spread? Well, that reminds me of how accounting can be for your business. That kind of storytelling. <laughs> then always like, I'm just scrolling. What's the job? What's the pitch? So if someone wanted to talk to me directly, I am missing that message because I do no longer believe that what's in my inbox isn't a pitch. That's so, so, so true. And this is where things always get out of balance. And the, the real skill when it comes to marketing yourself and your business is knowing how to use all of these tactics, calls to action, storytelling, resharing other people's content, sharing an article that someone else might find interesting. There's lots of different content that you can put out there into the world. And I think the absolute skill of it is finding the right balance so that you're not overdoing any one of those things because then we all get world weary of them don't we we all get if it's if every single post you put out is a very long story that has a personal vulnerability element to it you know and it's that over and over every day that's too much that's out of balance it's and they're barely vulnerable stories it's a formula it's I, you know, I was yeah. out buying cookies with my four-year-old the other day and we were in line at the checkout and the gentleman in front of us. And it reminded me of how life coaching can really make a difference. It's always this. It's not vulnerable. It's somebody sitting down with a pen and paper being like, what story can I tell today that will encourage someone a little bit further down the customer journey into buying, mm. which is what we're told to do from every marketing guru everywhere. Every book you read, everything is like tell stories to drive people through the customer journey until they land pleasantly in your client basket and you can love them forever. But the end result is that it's losing its effectiveness, like a vaccine that no longer. That's the problem. Si- seems to work it loses effectiveness it isn't that that formula isn't sometimes a perfect formula for a great story to be told sometimes that is such a great formula i was doing this i noticed that and it reminded me of this sometimes that's a great formula the problem is that people are just taking that and using it like a mold 
They're literally pouring their observation into the top of the funnel. Observation, insight, story, you know, and it's it, it's just too much. It's too much. How do, how do people break out of that hamster wheel of should I should post on LinkedIn. It should be a story. Let me take this formula. Now I'm going to put it out there. Well, that's what everyone else is doing. And that's what people are telling me works. So I'm going to continue doing it that way. Mm. And then the end result is as soon as my audience sees my name in their DMs, on their feed, in their inbox, it's a scroll past because you've lost the real rapport Mm. that can happen when relationship marketing isn't about the sale yeah 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 so so that's a great question and the answer that i have for that is that you don't follow a rigid posting schedule i think that is the kiss of death to interesting authentic content I think you post when you have something interesting to say. And that doesn't mean that that's a cop-out. So that doesn't mean that, oh, okay, so I haven't thought of anything interesting to say, so I haven't posted for a month. What you do do is you make sure you've got something interesting to say by reading more of LinkedIn posts. So you don't just go silent. You go in interact on other people's interesting content that you've carefully curated into your feed. You start commenting on that. You said earlier on that interesting stuff happens in the comments. Start the interesting stuff off in the comments. And as you have those conversations, ideas will come. Another thing that I do is I have an Evernote um, thing that I just shove ideas in for posts. God, I love Evernote. Love Evernote. I know it's an oldie but a goodie, but I love it. And just ideas. Start have it. Start building up a library of ideas. And sometimes my ideas are like one sentence, and sometimes they're like an entire post gets written out, ready to to go at some point. So start doing that. But don't post when you've got nothing to say. Don't post when you are having to sit there, like you say, with your pen, thinking of your story formula and thinking, oh God, okay, well, I know what the insight is that I want to share. So now I just need to reverse engineer a completely and utterly made up story of how this has just come to me in a flash. You know, or a real story. I mean, it does yeah, happen oh, oh, in the wild. they are real stories. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is it's happening so much that we can't always tell the difference now. Sometimes it's like it's so formulaic that that we are losing sight a little bit of what's a real story, what's not a real story. Is this just a marketing tactic? What's my, okay. You right there just described my entire ennui about LinkedIn. What you just said is Mm -hmm. the reason I don't like to go into that pool. And I hear you that if I'm just walking around the side of the pool complaining about the sandwiches there and not getting in and finding the cool people and getting that swimming in that content stream and sharing what they're doing and feeling the vibe. But there is an inauthenticity that really is distasteful to me. I like I have been on LinkedIn for like 
I don't know, I would say a decade. And then my profile got very, very good because I started making them over for other people as a copywriter. So I had to learn what makes a good profile, understand where to put content in, redid my own. Like I really, it would be very hard to throw bricks at my profile, except for the fact that it's extremely inactive, but from a cosmetic perspective, Mm -hmm. I'm there and I have never, ever, ever, ever one time gotten a lead or a job or business off of LinkedIn. I hear people say all the time, like, oh, yeah, like LinkedIn is one of my best referral sources and I make so many good connections there, but it all feels fucking fake to me and I don't trust anybody. <laughs> so you articulated it. My my DMs are absolutely stuffed to the gills with nothing but connect first connection automated I'm looking forward to learning about your business. Hey, Rebecca, I wanted to remind you for the third time about our seminar on how, you know, um, outsourcing your copywriting to our company can double your business. Bitch, I'm a copywriter. Look at my profile. Like, it's all that. That is it's- so infuriating. Yeah. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to harp on about it until you do it. Since I started really being intentional about who I connect with and about curating that feed, unfollowing the people I don't want to hear from, I get way less spammy DMs now. Way less. So do you get unspammy DMs? Do you get unspammy ones? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. And give me tell me give me an example of somebody who you didn't know who reached out to you on LinkedIn what they said to catch your attention, because again, I'm like, ignore, 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 ignore. And what value the relationship came to fruition? That well, clearly I am literally the most narcissistic person in the world, because quite often it'll get, grab my attention when someone says, hey, Jill, I just read what you wrote about X. <laughs> That's why we do <laughs> that it. That works on me. <laughs> that works on me. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah. Often, you know, that will grab my attention and that's when I will pursue the conversation. But can I tell you one thing I do do? And that is that I do make it clear straight away that I'm not the sort of person that necessarily drops everything to reply straight away. This is where I think sometimes we go wrong. People will send out a fairly innocuous, hey, just wanted to, you know, I'm trying to make more connection with my um my network on LinkedIn, right? And yeah, you know, but the thing is, there's nothing wrong with that message. That's really that could be a genuine message. That could be a genuine, I want to tell you what I do, and I also want to hear what you do. Or that could be a genuine, I thought it was really interesting when you wrote about this, that, and the other. The problem is we don't like people shouting through our letterbox to get our attention. What we want people to do is drop the letter through, leave it on the mat so that we can pick it up and read it when we're ready. But what happens often is that someone drops the letter through onto the mat, opens the letterbox and shouts, I've just dropped the letter on your mat. Have you read it yet? Why haven't you read it yet? Are you talking Hello? about... Hello? Are you there? That that drives me crazy. 
Are you talking about when someone when you someone makes a request, a connection request, and you accept it, and then within two point five nanoseconds, the auto email triggers. It's like I'm loving to see about your business, etc. And you're saying, slow your roll, make your connection, yeah, pay attention to what they're writing about or talking about if it's of interest to you. If then 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 send that DM. That's it exactly. Yeah. I have a confession. I've just realized that I've just realized I'm like codependent on a system of boring ass bullshit that can be LinkedIn, but I actually have some agency and I'm going to really admit that I've been a hypocrite. My biggest pushback on LinkedIn, first of all, I write about LinkedIn. I give people advice about LinkedIn. You write incredible LinkedIn profiles. They are absolutely compelling. And I champion creative writing in LinkedIn all of the time. LinkedIn doesn't have to be boring. Let's be creative, you guys. I have a fully realized fictional persona for an octopus just to show people LinkedIn can be fun. Yes, you have. The whole origin of that adorable little character, Octophilia. You can connect with her, and I will forget to look at her profile, and so you'll never your invitation will be pending because that's how unengaged I am. So I'm a hypocrite because I champion creative writing on LinkedIn when I'm not on LinkedIn, but mm-hmm. I don't do it at all myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm codependent on the the boring salesy side of LinkedIn. And I'm a hypocrite because I champion something I don't do, but you've changed my mind about why it's worth coming to coming to the Heads Together audience with my true confession and coming away a changed woman. I just want to kind of hold up a bit of a paradigm shift here for you. Think about the people, think about how compelling your writing is. You are an amazing writer. I mean, you know, that's your thing. Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Right. So if I'm saying that I follow this handful of what I consider to be great writers, um, thought leaders in this, in the areas that I'm interested in, peers, other business coaches who I really admire and, and, you know, love collaborating with and talking to potential clients, all of those people who I want to be hitting that bell on my profile and following everything that I write, you, have an amazing opportunity to have people holding you up as a thought leader in your industry because that's what you are already. I just feel like it's a huge missed opportunity not to give people the opportunity to hit the bell and then write for them reasonably consistently when you've got something to say, which you always have something to say, so that's not going to be an issue for you. Um. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to do that. I also don't understand why you wouldn't want to like clean up that feed, start getting really interesting mind expanding stuff coming into your inbox and your feed. It makes all the difference. This is really like a true confessions episode, isn't it? I love it. Because if I shared what my clients were sharing, I would be sharing my own freaking writing. I don't know if you can come up with a better advertisement for yourself in the show me, don't tell me world of relationship marketing. Right. Here's the problem, though. 
I would rather pick up dog crap out of my backyard <laughs> with my bare hands. I would rather clean the bathroom. I would rather do the dishes after no one else has done them for four days nor soaked them. I would rather clean out my dog's toenails with a toothpick than go on LinkedIn at all for any reason. So I'm avoidant. <sighs> I'm so I really hear you on paper. Now. Ugh, Rebecca, you're a writer. Why aren't you sharing your stuff? You're missing your audiences, missing out. You could be part of this zeitgeist. This is the place for you. You could share your clients work. It would really boost your career. And I know all of those things are true. And still, when we get off this call, I'll be like, maybe tomorrow I'll go on LinkedIn. And I just brace myself for like, like getting a pap smear or something. Like it's that awful. I need some coaching around embracing the platform. I want to understand something really quick. Why do you find it easy to write on Medium and not on LinkedIn? That's a very good question. I I don't know. I have zero idea. Medium is just, to me, it's a repository. Like, just put your shit up there. Medium doesn't ask anything from you other than deliver me an article. And to you, LinkedIn is asking for stuff from you. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the difference. Is at Medium, I can just drop the kids off. Someone will, someone will take and <laughs> put them out there. LinkedIn is like the children's party that you have to stay at <laughs> and talk to the other parents. <laughs> and there's right? no booze. There's no booze. So, but this is how you are viewing LinkedIn. You are viewing it like a children's party that you don't want to be at, but you have to be at it to be able to drop your kids off there. And, and the rule is that you have to stay with them. What are the, what are the options when you don't want to stay at the party then? What if someone said to you, okay, but listen, this party is going to be a bit different because so and so is coming and they're actually really interesting. I know you are going to want to go off and have a chat with them. So it is worth you coming to this party. Or what if there was another party where they said, well, this time, just drop the kids off. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't stay around. That's okay too. What if you stopped having so many rules around it? What if you didn't listen all the time to people saying that you've got to post five times a week and you've got to make sure you're engaging for at least two hours every day and blah, 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 blah. What if you made it your own rules? You curated your feed so it's interesting stuff to read and you put your own stuff out there but didn't feel the need to stay for the party if you didn't want to. Okay, well, your look, your analogy is spot on. You have nailed me to a T and you feel made me feel a little bit less about my just letting the content stream hit me about curation. However, I'm still at the hurdle of like, the thought of even logging in feels like an impossible task. I want to dive into that a bit deeper. Is this anything to do with visibility? Really? Look, I would normally tell you, now look, heads together audience, you thought you were here for just like a lively LinkedIn conversation. Instead, you're getting heads cracked wide open. I would normally tell you, and I still look in the camera and say, honestly, I don't have a problem being in front of an audience and I don't have a problem publishing and I don't have a problem being on a podcast or writing or sharing my vulnerable feelings. However, the evidence 
betrays that statement. For example, I have been assigned by my business coach for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight weeks to write one simple email. And I have procrastinated about that very simple task, Mm -hmm. which I have no anxiety about information sharing for week after week after week. And in fact, it was on my to-do list this week. And I waited until the very last day to put it together. And you did it so beautifully. It is fantastic. And it was easy to write and I didn't struggle with it. And I sat down and it flowed right out of me. And I have no problem sharing some of that, you know, vulnerable, like authentic, genuine Mm -hmm. sharesy stuff. And yet I still procrastinated and I still don't want to log into LinkedIn. And I'm still have tons and tons of writing that has been you know, quasi unpublished because I just, Mm. all I'd have to do is copy and paste every day, but I just don't, I don't do it. Mm. You don't want to do it. (laughs) I just will, I'll just put a thousand things in front of it. Because what would happen if you did do it? I don't have any fear of like what would happen if I did do it. I just, for some reason, I don't want to eat my broccoli. Yeah, you don't. You're literally dodging those nutrients. Why is that? I don't believe in myself. I don't love myself. Those things sound crazy. I don't think it is that, actually. I think it's that you are quite a perfectionist. In terms of if you're going to put something out there, it has to be good. You are not a fan of putting out anything less than great. So for you, it will be a bigger lift than for most people who aren't perfect as perfectionist. That's one thing. Well, I love that because it lets me off the hook. But why have I not taken any of my old stuff that's published on Medium? And reshared it on LinkedIn with a new comment or conversation. I just had my VA like publish them all without notifying my network or anything. They're just like up there, like a little library, you know, check that box. That's a yes, bit ma'am. of a theme Very good. there, isn't it? That's a bit of a theme. You don't have a problem with publishing. You have a problem with people reading it. I don't have a problem with people reading it. I want everyone to read my shit. Come on, so girl. Got, so you, you know got, mama so is coming with your- it. So you got your VA to publish it without notifying anyone. Then I'd have to write the post. I know. This is the thing. This is it. That's the bit. That's the bit. What's the bit? I'm lazy. I I don't don't want to eat my broccoli. What's what's the bit? No, you're not lazy. And it isn't about not wanting to eat your broccoli. So what else could it be? I feel like you know and are just <laughs> breadcrumbing me until I have some sort of insight like you always do. <laughs> oh, that I have to stop doing that slightly evil laugh. That's going to make anyone listening to me thinking, oh, girl, I need a business coach, but she's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd be like, thank God somebody's really just going to tell me the tea and not just <laughs> yes, ma'am, me all the way through like a $5,000 retainer. Yeah. The reason, in my opinion, that you would rather do things um, almost not anonymously, that's not you, but 
dropping the kids off at medium, getting them to just post it or getting your VA to just post it off, you know, without having to actually do a personal interaction part is because it's just, it's so low maintenance to do it that way. And you don't want to overcommit to something that you don't want to follow through on in terms of... Or really like. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. Also, so I what? I don't want to. I don't want to say stuff out. I don't want to put something out there and then not do it, and then have everybody think I'm. Yeah, I'm I think that's a, fa- part a faker. Of it. I think that's part mm. of it. I also think that you are you are authentic and true, and truth. Sorry, authentic and truthful to such a point that for you. Putting stuff out on LinkedIn would be, it would be a heavier lift, I think, than for most people, because you will be so vigilant that your content has to, every piece, every piece of content has to be going to someone's heart and making them, stopping them in their tracks. And, you know, with that, and that's hard, setting that bar so high which you always do for yourself your bar is always high that's why your clients get this fucking copy that blows them away and I get that as a writer when people are paying you to write and paying your brand to be their voice then that's tough that that's like a high bar for yourself so I kind of get why when you're doing it for yourself then it's almost like god I do this for other people and I'm kind of and now I've got to kind of if I'm doing it for myself it's got to be even better than that almost it's got to be the best piece of writing that anyone in the world has ever read in their lives right and if you're if that's where you're pitching yourself no wonder you don't want to fucking log on I'm exhausted at even the thought of have, of holding myself to that higher standard. You're, you are really amazing. You are really amazing. One, you absolve me of feeling my guilt of feeling like a hypocrite. And two, um, yeah, that is feels completely spot on live coaching here on the heads together podcast yeah we indeed so if we acknowledge that the reason i find it to be the impossible task is because it kind of is yep and we acknowledge that i am in full control of my content experience and i should no longer be a passive participant we preserve the right to an inspired inbox. Yes. Then perhaps I can learn. See, even me talking about it like that, I can learn to love LinkedIn feels like, well, I can overcome this huge personal barrier <laughs> and finally learn to eat my broccoli, which I actually Maybe love broccoli, you don't need to learn to love LinkedIn. Maybe you need to use LinkedIn the way you want to choose to use it. Maybe you need to stop thinking about all of the ways you've been taught are the right way to use LinkedIn. Maybe you you are the one who at the beginning of this episode said, I think LinkedIn is a publishing platform. Those were your words, not mine. 
So maybe it's time for you to just use LinkedIn the way you want to use it. Use it like Medium if that's what you want. But just get your stuff out there, get a more interesting feed and your consume and create balance is going to come back into flow as well. That's another You know what thing. I'm going to do? I'm going to create a cereal. Oh, yes. I love that. You heard oh, it here, folks. I love that idea. Let's create a cereal for it. I want every single person listening to this to quickly, quickly run. Don't walk. Go and connect with Rebecca on LinkedIn and Octoophilia so that we can hold her accountable en masse for the cereal that's coming up. Drop your ideas. If you're listening and you've, maybe some of you will have only have learned today about the little bell. I'm sure most of you do know, but if if some of you also are learning like Rebecca today about the little bell on the profile, go and connect with Rebecca. Hit the bell so that you can get notified so that you can literally, we will harass her if she does not deliver on this because we want to read this. We've invented it here today. Drop your ideas. Tell me what you want me to write about. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a brilliant concept. But that part, I'm very good at being proactive about. So that part does not hold me back. That is true. come up with a brilliant concept. You are an ideas factory. So, yeah. I know. I'm the idea factory. You are. Yeah. And I'm not held back on execution, but I am held back on the publishing part. And I do agree with you that it has a lot to do with perfection paralysis Mm -hmm. and the bandwidth required for the lift allows me to just be like, eh, I'm not working out today. That is not, that's not happening. But do you know what? I, I just want to push back on that a little bit because, you know, sometimes you do your micro copy quite often on Instagram. I know you love doing little a little post with a bit of micro copy. Why can't you do that on LinkedIn too? You know, earlier we talked about not every post has to be long form. Not every post has to be value packed. Some posts can be a little micro copy. I'm sick of long form people and I don't know who has time to read long form. Me. I love reading them. Honestly, I love it. I love it. If it takes me more than three thumb swipes to get through your article, Oh yeah, no, then that's I'm, too I'm, long. then I'm starting that's to be like, yeah, I it's you. not long actually. Now I'm when I say long form, I'm not talking about articles. I'm just talking about long posts. I know that are like oh, 700 okay. paragraphs, 700 <laughs> 100, one sentence paragraphs. I like with that. lots that's of how, ellipses. Those are, the posts, those are the posts that I find really nice and easy to read. I like that. I think the point here isn't that microcopy is better than long form post or that no. long form post is tired. It's, it's I think that, yeah, I think that creators really need to keep in mind, no matter what you're doing, that di- your audience is going to have different tastes. So you really want to mix up your marketing. You want your marketing mix to be like right. very mixed up. Because some people want to read bullet points and some people want to read a paragraph and some people want to watch video and some people want, you know, the long form. I was walking by the creek on my family vacation and I came across a rock and the rock was perched on top of another rock. And it reminded me of the relentless flow (laughs) of entrepreneurialism 
and how that relates to my new course, which you, <laughs> you can pre-sign up for. Oh, my God. You do realize that everyone listening to this episode now is never again going to be able to use the words it reminded me of in a post. You've just literally ruined that formula for us all. Uh, ruined or actually done society a favor? I think I've done society a favor, actually. True, true, very true. Well, Jilly, I think you actually have changed my mind about LinkedIn today, and it's not my, it's not the annoying kids party that you is not a drop off that you have to. It attend, doesn't have I think to it be. Is. It can be what you make it. Yeah. That's true for everything, and I will yeah. wax a little bit about why I currently am obsessed with TikTok, like every other gen xer on the planet yeah which is the ability to curate your content in such a precise way that i actually enjoy the content like i actually enjoy what i'm saying hello that's what you've got to do on linkedin and i'm understanding so much more about the world because in my opinion, TikTok is like an anthropologist's wet dream Yeah, of hearing <sighs> folks talk about their real lives through their own words and responding mm. to other people within communities and out and having this intense mm. dialogue about their thing, whether it's patriarchy or white Christian nationalism or how to knit or you know fried egg culture or you know team sharpie pen or whatever it is that folks are engaging in this very kind of unfiltered although i know it's highly filtered because that's how the algorithm works conversation around their thing and what you're telling me is linkedin is no different it's just a different format and it's couched in a suit and tie just Try and overlook that part and be part of the bigger conversation because it's happening there. It's happening. My feed isn't couched in a suit and tie. My feed is just the people that I really want to listen to. (laughs) I'm still saying some pretty (laughs) unevolved things about LinkedIn. (laughs) It's always in a suit and tie. You're like, dude, it's not. I'm like, oh, it's so boring. Dude, it's not. It's not. I don't want to post there. Dude, come on. Like, <laughs> We're going to get you there. Do you know what? Because the irony of it, this is the irony that blows my mind, is that you help people create the most mind-blowingly good LinkedIn profiles that I've ever read. They are so good you make thank you for that plug so so i just feel sad that you will say that you know linkedin's full of boring people i don't think i've ever read a profile that you've written that makes anyone sound boring right i know that's why i'm saying i'm a hypocrite i write about how not to be boring i tell people how to take a non-linear career and turn it into a linkedin worthy you know personal brand venture I love helping people break out of the boring by taking a LinkedIn profile and ripping up your online resume, your digital work history, and doing some serious storytelling. I am an absolute hypocrite because I do not want to be there any other way, which makes me kind of a charlatan. So I better get right with the Lord because I like writing these profiles when people come to life there. If your LinkedIn profile is tired, if it reads like a CV, 
or or if you're across the pond a resume um you know rebecca is your woman seriously there is no one um like her when it comes to writing a profile it, that really engages people that that actually gets across what you do so that the person reading it number one they get it straight away number two they can see the differentiation between you and other people who do what you do because that's what Rebecca's genius at is pulling out what makes you different why you're the one that they need in their lives how can people reach out or learn more or where should they go Julie I have a couple of blog posts that um, are really helpful I think to walk folks through how to create these like highly creative and engaging personality driven differentiator unique value proposition splashed linkedin profile makeover if you want to try your hand at it yourself and then i'll also supply a link where you can find out some more information about getting a rebecca gunter styled linkedin profile makeover if you can see past my previously admitted hangups on linkedin and believe with all faith that i will come around finally to curating my own news feed and enjoying the platform not just helping people look better on it so yes thank I you really for that, that jilly <laughs> oh it's been amazing as always thank you so much jilly thank you for letting me th- I you know I came to take over and ask you questions and interview you and you gave me some serious heart to heart coaching you flipped the script as you do put me in the hot seat but I cannot thank you enough for letting that serendipitous moment come to life because I will absolutely be impacted by the advice that you gave me here today and I think other people will too so even though this was a podcast takeover you really were driving the whole time I literally took over the takeover. <laughs> That's the most jilly thing that ever jillied. That, that, that is the most jilly thing that ever jillied in the whole goddamn jilly world. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. Okay. Till next time. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that getting our heads together this week has filled your mind with what's possible. If you love the show, would you do me a massive favour, please? Would you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? It would really help me put more heads together, reach more ears, and expand more minds. Until next week, bye for now. Bye for now.